So I have a younger brother. He's five years younger than me. And if you've ever grown up with a sibling or, or seen siblings growing up, you'll, you'll know that siblings don't always get along with each other. They fight and they antagonize each other, usually over sharing or, or entering each other's rooms. Did any of you know that? We have a lot of sibling interactions here in the, in the youth group, and, and they, let, they let me know that at home it isn't always roses. And something I learned recently, wow, do not ever enter the bedroom of another sibling. That is just a horrible thing to do. Am I right? That is just the worst thing. Like, do not enter the bedroom. Apparently, that's the worst thing in the world. Uh, so I, I may or may not have antagonized my younger brother when we were growing up. This is being recorded and live streamed. I see you guys all online here. So I don't want to incriminate, incriminate myself on record. So. But I may or may not have punched my brother in the arm and then said, and then said sorry immediately thereafter. And then, and then did it again, and then, and then punched them again, and then said sorry immediately. You know, you, you, you ever do that to somebody? You punch, oh, sorry, you know, and then do it again, and sorry. Um, I used to do that a lot. Um, I don't know how, how you guys ever treated your, your, or bullied your, your siblings. I think you get the idea. Uh, I look back now, and I'm like, man, I, I really wish I had treated Tony uh, a lot better. Well, today we're going to continue in the book of Jonah, chapter 3. And if you haven't been with us this entire time, it's, it's pretty easy to, to catch you up. In the first chapter, jo- uh, God calls a prophet named Jonah to preach to the city of Nineveh. And you can see that on the right. Uh, Nineveh is really evil, so, and so Jonah doesn't really want to preach to them. All right? And so instead, Jonah tries to escape. So he, he, try, he heads for the opposite side of the world. He tries to go to the port city called Tarshish. Um, and, we, and the big thing we learn is that even though we might not be physically trying to run away from God, many of us try to hide our sins as if we could run away from God. A big storm comes. Jonah gets tossed um, overboard by some sailors, basically to try to appease God. And then, and then God sends this huge fish, this great fish, to swallow up Jonah, but not to eat him, uh, but actually to keep him alive. And Jonah realizes that he hasn't died while he's in the belly of this fish, and so he offers up a prayer of thanksgiving. And during his time in the, in the, in the belly of the fish, Jonah is he's transformed. And he acknowledges that idols lead to spiritual death, and he says one of the most profound statements in the Bible, salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the big thing we learned was to be transformed by our faith. Now, at the end of the second chapter, Jonah is like suddenly thrown up, vomited out onto the beach, uh, and he probably finds himself back out in the open, back on dry land, and he's, he's probably back in Palestine uh, where he tried to flee. So he's learned his lesson, right? Huge waves, crazy sea, crazy storm, swallowed by a great fish, prayed this amazing prayer of thanksgiving, made vows to God, and now vomited back on safe uh, um, vomited back onto dry land, safe and sound, right? What happens to Jonah now? Like, what, what's he going to do now, right? When this is where we begin today, we begin in Jonah chapter 3, if you want to turn uh, in your Bibles there. Uh, but before we begin, uh, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's been another year, and as we close out 2021, I pray that you send the Holy Spirit to us right now to convict our hearts, Father, to let us take stock of our lives, to repent, for your kingdom is near. 
In your son's name, amen. All right, so I'm going I'm to put the uh, verses on the slide here. Uh, I'll begin in verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. A second time, right? It's like a second chances. It's like God saying, okay, you tried to flee from me once before. Let's, let's try this again. Go there and proclaim it to them. Proclaim to it the city, the, the message I give you. So this map again, if we assume the fish vomited out Jonah back up near Joppa, then the journey from Joppa to Nineveh was about 550 miles. All right, 550 miles. Caravans back then traveled about 20 to 25 miles a day. So this trip would take Jonah about three to four weeks. Uh, I did the math. Um, If we split the difference, it's about 24 days. So 24 days to travel about 550 miles the best California destination I could find was Redding, California. Anybody ever been to Redding? Yeah, a few people. My wife has. Yeah? All righty. Okay. Uh, Redding is about 553 miles away from Temple City. I think that's close enough, right? Uh, where we are right now. Um, with little traffic and driving straight through and without any brakes, it's, it's, apparently it'll take eight hours and 43 minutes. But, you know, if, if you stop and take breaks, it's probably, what, 10 to 11 hours or so, right? Food breaks, gas stops, food stops, uh, bathroom stops. So realistically, by land, um, and I know, I, I know we can fly, but by land, it would take us humans about 10 to 11 hours to travel 550 miles. Back then, 24 days, and I think 24 days is a long time to sit and ride and think and contemplate what's happened, Right, Jonah's thinking, I'm, I want you guys to put yourselves in, in his mind, right? He, he tried to run away, the crazy storm at the sea, the whole being swallowed up by that great fish, right? How crazy is that? You know, the, 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 the prayer of Thanksgiving, his transformation, his new vows. Maybe he was also thinking, I, I would have. I was like, I wonder what happened to the sailors who kind of reluctantly threw me overboard, right? I, did they, you know, what happened to that ship? Did they ever make it to Tarshish? You know, are they too freaked out to ever sail again? You know, um, Jonah was probably thinking, man, it'd be nice to, right now, to pull up my phone and, and, and pull up the Find My app, right, and, and, and see, where, see where they are in the location, right? And are, are they on Tarshish right now? Or are they back in Joppa? Right? And Jonah's probably thinking, man, too bad I lost my phone in the sea when I got thrown overboard, right? Um, but, you know, he probably got a new phone in Joppa. I, I would have, right? So Jonah disobeyed God before in chapter 1, but this time in chapter 3, in verse 3, uh, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went, back to, uh, went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Jonah probably goes to all the public places in the city to announce this message. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And I thought about our modern-day equivalent yet again. Like, too bad he couldn't just email somebody or, or post some ads on Facebook or, or pay some influencers, right, or, or, or buy some, some, some ad space in a local newspaper, right? Um, that would be, like, a lot more, I mean, that'd be a lot quicker, more efficient, right? But instead, he had to do it all by himself in person. And so, whether Jonah liked it or not, he finally obeyed. And I'll admit, when I read this, 
There's nothing in there that gives us the impression that Jonah liked it any more the first time than he did, uh, liked it any more uh, than the first time that he was told to go preach to Nineveh. We have some clues in the next chapter, but I don't want to spoil it. But I think that Jonah, he may have been hoping that although God had saved him from death, that God would not rescue the Ninevites from death. And I think actually Jonah was afraid that the Ninevites would actually listen to him. It's like warning your fellow students or coworkers to behave because the teacher or the boss is coming. But you kind of hope they don't listen to you because you want them to get into trouble because you don't like them. You ever feel that way? You ever don't warn a sibling on purpose because you want them to get in trouble with your parents? Just me? Right? You, you kind of want your sibling to get into trouble, right? This is probably Jonah's attitude. And his message is pretty simple. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. We don't know if this is all that was said. It's, it's kind of all that's recorded for us in the book of Jonah. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And so from what we can tell in Jonah's, well, it's a simple message, right? There isn't a call to repentance, right? A, a call to renounce their false gods, right? There's no direction on what God might want them to do. Back then, these prophets, they didn't go and deliver some, some comprehensive uh, theological statement or try to convert others to their faith or convert others to their religion. Prophets, prophets came to deliver a message from God. That was it. And here's the message. Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. But I will say this. The message gave 40 days of warning, and I was thinking about this, which to me kind of implies that repentance could maybe prevent some sort of punishment or destruction. Like, otherwise, why not just destroy them now, right? Why, 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 send, why bother sending a prophet, right? Just kill them already. But instead, 40 more, data, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And notice that Jonah doesn't preach 40 more days and Nineveh, Nineveh might be overthrown, right? It's not might be overthrown. It's 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And so I wonder, and this is just me wondering, if Jonah enthusiastically wanted and joyfully preached this message, this is just me wondering, this isn't fact or biblical revelation, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Happy face. Awesome. Yeah. Right? 40 more days and all of you all are going to be overthrown. Maybe he enjoyed preaching wrath. Maybe he did it with happiness and not tears. Maybe he couldn't wait for God's almighty hand to just come and smite the Ninevites into the earth. So let's see how the Ninevites responded. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Well, it looks like they took Jonah's message seriously. Fasting, sackcloth, sitting in dust, all the normal signs of humbling oneself into repentance. So my first question when I read this was, man, some random dude from another country claims that his God is going to destroy and punish the city? My first thought was, yeah, sure, dude, whatever you say, right? Right? How many of you right now would believe if some random foreigner came down and started preaching 40 more days and Temple City will be overthrown? 40 more days and Temple City will be overthrown. And some of you guys are like, well, I don't live in Temple City, right? So it's all good, right? I live in Arcadia or Monrovia, Alhambra, right? I, I see you guys, all right? 
40 more days and Los Angeles County will be overthrown. I know Morris and Elsa will be like, well, we, you know, we, we live in Upland. So we get, yeah, we're good. Yeah, okay. 40 days from today is February 4th. Okay? So you all behave. The Lunar New Year is February 1st in 2022. I did some research so we can have some fun before February 4th. Okay? 40 more days in L.A. County. Well, I'm not a real prophet, and I'm not really actually preaching that. But again, I was thinking, you know, why would, a, why would a city of really evil people be willing to listen to some foreign prophet about impending doom? And the Ninevites, they believed in omens. They believed in signs to predict the future. And omens, if you don't already know, most of us know what omens are. They're just random things in nature that they thought that would, that they, they believed that were related to what the gods were doing, right? You see a good omen, good things are coming your way. You see a bad omen, bad things are coming your way, right? And we all have heard of omens. They're basically signs, right? Some of them are like the behavior of animals or the flight of birds, the direction the birds flew. That would mean something. Uh, the way the stars were, that would mean something. They look, for signs, they look for signs of things to come. And if the omens, the signs had been negative for a few weeks prior to Jonah, man, once Jonah popped up, they'd be like, oh, they would, be, they would believe him. They'd be like, oh, that's what's going to happen. We were wondering what's going to happen, and, and you've just basically explained it. And as far as some random guy from a foreign country, it probably wouldn't have mattered to them. The Ninevites in the greater country, the, the Assyrians, they're polytheistic. So polytheistic just means they believed in many gods. And so they figured any one of the random many gods, they'd be capable of, of making life difficult for them. And the fact that he was a foreigner probably actually made his message even stronger, more credible. They'd be thinking, well, why would somebody travel 24 days to us, right, unless he really was told by a god to preach this message, right? These days, it takes little to no effort to create fake news, right? You can make a picture or a meme or a video, post it online, let it go viral, and, and you already have your, you know, your, it's, it's all from the comfort of your own home. In our story today, a foreign prophet traveled a month to get to them. And so if the recent omens were bad, they, probably, they may have been very readily willing to believe Jonah. Remember, Jonah wasn't asking them to change religions. He wasn't asking them to forsake their, their gods, all their national gods. That might have been met with more resistance. He was only saying, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's it. And back then, uh, prophets were, were laughed at, they were beaten, and some were killed if you read through the Old Testament. But the people didn't laugh at him. The people didn't beat him. The people didn't throw him into prison. They didn't lay a hand on him. And that probably shocked Jonah. Instead, the entire city like, responded and they went into this, this repentance mode, right? I mean, even the, the king issues a, a, a citywide decree. Verse, verse 7, this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. This is one of the most comprehensive, thorough, genuine repentances ever recorded. Even the animals were covered in sackcloth. It's amazing. They took Jonah seriously. 
Remember at the beginning when I'd punch my younger brother and immediately say, I'm sorry, right? Punch, I'm sorry. It's easy to see that I was not really sorry. I was not really repentant. In fact, you could probably go so far as to say I was probably enjoying myself, right? I enjoyed kind of beating up on my younger brother. And enjoy might be a term that we would use to describe the wickedness of the Assyrians. If you remember, I've spoke about how, the, how, how evil they were before. They were a pretty ruthless nation. But today, it does seem that they're kind of, they're, really, they're truly repentant. They're putting actions into words. I didn't put actions into words, right? I, my words were, I'm sorry, but my actions were, were not really repentant. You ever go up and beyond to appease the anger of your spouse or the anger of your parent or your boss? You ever go up and beyond? Like you know they are so mad at you and so you're on extra good behavior. Like you do extra chores around the house. You're extra nice to your spouse or you're extra nice to your siblings. When I get in trouble with Jane, I, I give her back rubs on her left side. She, she melts. She forgets why she was mad at me. I remember that I made my brother cry on many occasions. And whenever he would cry, I would get into trouble. Do you guys ever do that? You guys ever, like, you're, if you make your sibling cry, you got into trouble, right? I've heard, I've heard a lot of stories from some of you. Don't make me call it out. So I would go the extra distance to try to calm him down because I didn't want, the, I didn't want to face the anger of my dad. You go up and beyond because you know you've messed up and it's your fault, whatever the situation is. And this applies to work too. Maybe you mess up at work, so you're like extra careful not to rattle the boss, right? You don't want to get fired. You want to keep a low profile. It can't hurt, right? Who knows, right? It can't hurt. And this is the Assyrians now, this, the, 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 the city of Nineveh. To them, some random god is mad at them threatening to destroy them. And they knew they were an evil nation. It's not like they were like in protest or disbelief, right? Like, wait a minute, wait, what? What have we done? Why are, you, why are you picking on us? Right? No, no, no. They knew immediately. Yeah, this is on us, right? They, like, like us at times, they knew they were in the wrong. They weren't defiant. Like, let's, let's see what you got, Jonah's God. Come at us, right? They weren't challenging. They were thinking, oh, boy, We need to repent and turn from our evil ways. Even the animals, even the animals had to fast. I mean, they weren't feeding or allowing their animals to eat or drink, right? It can't hurt, right? And I used to think it was an awesome, impressive, I've read this story before. I used to think it was awesome and impressive that even the animals had to be dressed up in sackcloth, right? Can you imagine like, you know, the cows and the goats, picture this in your mind that they're trying to, and they're hungry, right? They're like, oh, we're hungry. And you're like, nope, you know, you're taking the feed away from them. But if you, if you think about it, dressing up animals in sackcloth and not letting them eat, it further shows that the Ninevites don't really understand God. They're probably thinking that even our animals might offend Jonah's God. So even, we better include them in, the, in this mess repentance. We know that our God, the real God, the one and only God, doesn't require animals to repent. We know that. The king asks, who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. 
What a poignant question. Who knows? Who knows? Did Jonah know? No. He doesn't know what will result from his preaching to Nineveh. He probably hopes for the destruction of the city, but he can't expect it. God alone will decide its fate. Did the people of Nineveh know? No. They can believe and repent, but sincerity alone, even if you're sincere, that doesn't dictate what God will do. God is free to do for them or to do against them. The people of Nineveh can hope for deliverance, but they can't expect it. God alone will decide their fate. But to give a little bit of insight into God, he does, every, he does want everyone to come to, to be saved. We, uh, we know this. Um, in 2 Peter 3, 9, 3, 9, God is not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. In 1 Timothy 2, 4, God wants all people to be saved and, come, and, and to come to knowledge of the truth. God isn't looking for the smallest reason to pounce on people, to, to, to punish them, to destroy them. He wants everyone to enter the kingdom of heaven, right? We don't have to walk on eggshells here. God's authority, the way he rules is in grace. He's willing to forgive any people, not just the Israelites, not just his people. But that doesn't mean that forgiveness, everyone gets forgiveness automatically. Only genuine repentance, only genuine repentance can result in forgiveness, We'll get there later. So who knows? Only God knows. So by all accounts, you know, Nineveh, the Ninevites, you know, they, they were a fierce, warring nation, and, and they were horrible people. So we don't, really follow, we, don't, we don't really want to follow their example, right? Like, I don't want to say we should be like the Ninevites in any way, but I think one thing that we can follow in their example is repentance. True, genuine honest repentance. And look at that top verse again. He wants everyone to come to repentance. To repent is to to feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. It means to turn around. To repent means to, to turn around. You're going in one direction, in a bad direction. Turn around and go the opposite direction. In our modern-day English language, when we think of repentance, we, we kind of we uh, focus on the, re, the, the regret or, or the remorse, uh, the sorrow. Uh, you should feel bad about what you did. But the emphasis here theologically seems to be more specifically about the total internal change, uh, both in actions and attitude with respect to how we act, with respect to how we think. It's one thing to do something and feel bad about doing it. But it's another thing to decide, you know what? I'm going to take steps in my life to try to make sure it doesn't happen again. Just take steps in your life to try to make sure that it doesn't happen again, as best we can. When I said sorry to my poor brother after repeatedly punching him in the, sh- in the shoulder, how sorry do you think I really was? Really sorry? Really regretful? Really full of remorse? Or kind of sorry? Or not really sorry? Or was it more of a sorry, not sorry kind of thing? It's pretty easy to see that I wasn't genuinely sorry for my actions. I wasn't sorry. I wasn't repentant. I wasn't, I wasn't going to turn it around. There was no inner, internal change on my part. I was going to continue to hit and hurt my brother. 
Repentance was John the Baptist's first words in ministry. Repentance was Jesus Christ's first words in ministry, recorded words. In Matthew 3, in those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. This is the beginning. And saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. In Matthew 4, 17, he is baptized first. But then after that, from, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The first words of ministry of both John the Baptist and Jesus Christ, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. They didn't first talk about joy or blessings or forgiveness or justice or love or grace or mercy. All, these, all those are good things. Those are great things. No, but the, the, the first part of, of their independent ministries, by the way, is repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. They both, they both consistently gave the same message. It should tell us something. It should tell us something that the first things uttered out of these two men's mouths were repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's the first thing they talked about. Jesus and John are preaching the same message. Repent. Turn away from your sin. Repent. If you read through the Old Testament, the majority of the prophets essentially called the nation of Israel back into repentance. They called the nation of Israel back into repentance. Repent, Israel. God wants you back. Cut it out with the murdering and the jealousy and the worshiping of false idols. Repent. Come back. Turn around. You're going the wrong direction. Come back to your first love. Me, God, uh, he's saying. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's the last Sunday of 2021. How was your year? Right now, how was your year? What happened? We just saw a great slideshow Julie put together for us. Did we love our neighbors as ourselves? Did we have blessings? Did we have difficulties? Are there things that we need to repent of? Are there things that we need to ask God for forgiveness? The somewhat humorous punching of my brother is easy to call out. I shouldn't have been doing that repeatedly. But being truly repentant means changing the way we think, changing the way we approach things. And I said that repenting means turning around, like turning the opposite direction, turning from our sin. Punching my brother and then hitting him again right after, I stopped, but I continued in the same direction. I punched him, so I stopped, but I continued in that same direction. I didn't change my thinking. I didn't change my direction. And true repentance involves changing the way we think about God, changing the way we think about ourselves, changing the way we think about others. Darkness to light requires transformation. Darkness to light requires transformation. And in Romans 12, 2, Paul writes, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be, be, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transfer, transformation comes by radical change in the way we think, the way we approach things. And like me, repeatedly punching my brother, are, are there sins that we keep on repeating? Do we continue to lie to our significant other? Do we continue to lie to our parents or our friends? Do we continue to hurt our kids? Do we continue to cheat on tests? 
Do we continue to talk about others behind their backs? Do we continue to look at things on the internet that we shouldn't be looking at? Let's take stock of our lives as we end this year. The, the Ninevites sure did, and they realized immediately they needed to repent. Are there repeated sins in our life that we need to turn away from to stop repeating? Now, the Ninevites clearly did not love their neighbors as themselves. They were a warring nation, and they treated their fellow nations pretty horribly. But are we any different in God's eyes with respect to God's commandments? Are we any different? I mean, it's easy to put, us, to put some distance between us and the Ninevites, but are we any different? We are all sinners in God's eyes. And I'm guessing that we probably have a lot of repenting, true, genuine repenting to do, including myself. These past couple of weeks, I had to think about as I, I was, as I was composing this message, the stuff, that, the, the stuff in my life that I needed to repent from. Now, back then, it was a lot of animal sacrifice to get back into God's good favor, right? You, 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 you sinned. You confessed to the priest, and he kind of told you you had to sacrifice animals based on how serious your sin was. But today, for those of us today, Jesus Christ was our own sacrifice for all of humanity for all time. So as I've said before, we cannot earn our way through good actions into the kingdom of heaven. Repenting is an action, to be sure, but repenting doesn't earn us anything. It's faith, a belief in, a belief in Jesus Christ who is sent to die for our sins through God's grace that even allows us this opportunity. Paul writes in Colossians 1, uh, 13, 13, 14, uh, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We weren't just rescued out of something, right? We, we were also brought into something. We weren't, res- we weren't only rescued out of something, we were also brought into something. We were rescued out of hell, and we were brought into the kingdom. We were rescued out of hell and brought into the kingdom. So let us be transformed by our faith. And firstly, like both John the Baptist and Jesus Christ announced, let us repent of our sins. Let's start off 22 with the right foot with God. So, what happens now? Is, it, is this all enough to appease God's anger? Will God relent his impending destruction? I, I mean, what's going to happen due to their, uh, the, the sackcloth and the fast and the sitting in the dust trying to repent of their evil ways? Is it enough to appease God's anger? Will God relent his impending destruction in 40 days? Or will God say, you know, nah, bro, <laughs> you know, and, and smite the entire city of Nineveh? Would Jonah get his way and the Ninevites be destroyed by God's hand? As the king said, who knows? Who knows what God will do? Stick around next month and we'll find out together where you can read your Bibles. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you again send this spirit to us, Father. 2021 was another tough year for, for all of us, not only in, in California and the United States, but, but the world as well. 
We ask for your presence, Father, to make your presence to us abundantly clear. We come to you, Father, and I, I hope this is a prayer that all of us in this room and online can resonate with, but Father, we come to you, Father, and we, we admit and we ask for forgiveness of our sins, Father. Help us repent to see the error of our ways. Help us not repeat the sins we, we continue to repeat. In your son's name, amen.